Have a jolly, jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. Well, I don't know if there'll be hoes, but Charlie's loading up on beer. Have a jolly, jolly Christmas. And when you walk down the block, say hello to the girls you know, cause they'll soon be on your cock. Ho, 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 the mistletoe hidden so they can't see. I see you're stalking a pretty girl. Grasp those busts for me. Have a jolly, jolly Christmas. And in case you didn't hear, oh, by God, I have a jolly, jolly Christmas this year. This Week in Sleaze with your hosts, King Who and Sleazy K. And the Great Lord, Joshua Rager. This podcast has been rated Category 3. No one under 18 may be permitted. Let's talk some fucking stampeding, birthday party rape, and shameless exploitation filmmaking. Yes, proving that making a skin flick is not low enough, but we'd argue against that, I guess. Uh, one-time director Chung Chung-chi decided to frame a Charlie Cho bonkathon around a real-life New Year's Eve tragedy. One-time director because the reaction clearly was, you piece of shit. Get out. <laughs> but more on that in the second half as we uh, discuss uh, when we reach that and uh, review. Lang Kwai Fong Swingers from 1993, but in the first half, because this is our Christmas special after all, and things happen at the stroke of midnight around this time, so, and that's when Dark Charlie comes out, uh, you know, uh, he's the, he's not the badabook, but he's the bonkabook, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> Was that what the badabook, did the badabook come out at midnight? Did you, did you guys see that movie? I don't know, you read the book and... Some little kid annoys the shit out of you for 90 minutes. Yeah, that's that's Doc Charlie, all right. <laughs> but anyway, he co-stars in 1987's Midnight. So it's a merry Charlie Cho Christmas, everybody. So are you, uh, are you sitting comfortably in your tidy whities Got your Yulmust uh, poured? Got your... I don't know. What's a Christmas brew unique to your haunts, uh, the great Lord Joshua Regal? Eggnog. Nothing more local than that? Don't you know your roots, man? <laughs> I don't know. Crocodile or something. <laughs> Crocodile knock. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but what's a New Yorker's perspective on what to drink then when in your tidy whities watching a Charlie Cho movie and uh, it and it being around Christmas? So, what do you say, King Who? Um, actually, right now I am having Jolmust. You 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 really went to IKEA? Yes, my I had my wife go to IKEA for me. Oh, you <laughs> son of a bitch! <laughs> Like, so do you want us to buy, like, nice, uh, uh, a nice little thing for the baby or some new furniture? Nope. 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 You go, like, directly <laughs> to the food court and yeah. get me my stuff. That's it. Is it, the, like, the totally generic, like, Yulmost, or is it, like, a very fancy label and stuff on it? It has a Santa Claus on the label. It just says, Swedish Festive Drink. 
That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, Santa Claus, and there's some snow on it, and yeah, and it's really, really bad for you. I see. <laughs> How do you like it? I mean, uh, we we've discussed it before. I, I had Joshua t- taste test it on the show just to see if he uh, would spit it out because it's so bitter. But uh, it's okay. No, it's not bad. It's okay. I wouldn't drink it all the time, but it's it's okay. You should. It. It's only around Christmas, man. It's like liver. You can have like one bite and say, okay, this is good. Second bite, nah, not so much. So it's like that. <laughs> well, well uh, that, that's absolutely fair enough. But uh, who, who's King Huda? Well, he started this show with me. So it's um, five episodes in and then he got tired of me. And now he's I doing did. way better stuff, you know, yeah. in life, you know, uh, evolving in life. And, uh, and uh, while I'm sitting here. Around my microphone, but it's our favorite boy in blue talking about blue movies being back and uh, what a wonderful thing to have as a Christmas present to to us who usually do this show, but hopefully as a Christmas present to all of you guys who are listening like King Who is back. I guess I'm back. For, for one episode, anyway. Thank you for having me. It's this episode had we we dangle like Lan Kwai Fong's wingers in front of him. Like, <laughs> oh, real life tragedy in a Charlie Chow sex movie. In in in. <laughs> Get me in. There is something about Lan Kwai Fong Swingers that is, certainly isn't right. And it's irresistible. You've done a review of it on the show, but me and Joshua have not been able to give our two cents on it. But uh, still, it's a wonderful thing to have you back, my friend. Oh, thank you for having me. Okay, guys, really brief contact information just for reference sake. And this is This Week in Sleeze on the Podcast on Fire network. We are on podcastonfire.com. And uh, we do this show on Sleazy Movies. We do other shows on Hong Kong movies, Japanese movies. Commentary. Uh, we do ninja show, a ninja show, and bonus episodes every now and again. If you have any questions or feedback, podcast on fire at googlemail dot com. Join us over on Facebook. Yeah, we have uh, handy buttons for old people like me at the top of our website that will lead you to our Facebook page. Search out our group while you're on Facebook. It's called Podcast on Fire Network, and you can join us over on Twitter. There's a button for that. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, there's a button for that. And uh, the final button is for Stitcher Radio. If you want to stream us only, you may have too many pictures on your phone. Of uh, well, at, at around this time, I assume you all have clogged your phone with Swedish festive soda pictures. <laughs> I just assume that it's as big in America as it is in Sweden. Huge, huge. Going to be the huge wall around the Yulmust. Oh God! Oh no! <laughs> wall. Made of Yulmust. Oh, Yulmust no. cans is hard. <laughs> what, what did I walk into? And, and Swedish people are going to pay for it. <laughs> the Wall of Yulmust. Anyway, moving on. I write about Hong Kong movies, Taiwanese movies, and uh, and the likes. These kind of genres, category free movies, but also uh, a variety of uh, like gritty Taiwanese movies and Godfrey Ho movies and what have you on SoGoodReviews.com. I video review at SlisaKVideo.com and my Twitter handle is at SoGoodReviews. Over at ShelfLifeClothing.com you have uh, some great t-shirts, as we all uh, know. Uh, all of us, uh, I think all of us own at least one such t-shirt from ShelfLifeClothing.com. They'll make great uh, stocking uh, stocking uh, stuffers, if you will. That, that's where you can get the, co- the original Caucasian t-shirts. Uh, like, if we learned anything from that, uh, from that second wave that Brian Kirby and Shelf Life Clothing experienced, that second wave of Caucasian t-shirts in the media, therefore sales coming into him, is that uh, there are crappy bootleggers out there that are going to take advantage of that. And unfortunately that happened, but we're here to do our bit in saying that Shelf Life Clothing is the original place for the Caucasians t-shirt and hoodie and, uh, and what have you. 
buy a fucking t-shirt and finally uh, a little quick plug for your uh, your spo- spontaneous sporadic podcast uh, great lord joshua regal trashy trail gonna do a christmas show have you done a christmas show have not uh i don't know scheduling has been hell for us recently but uh we plan to do something soon if i could plug something else uh it's not completed yet but uh i'll be doing another weird cinema video which if anybody remembers i did that ifd little documentary and uh i'll be finishing up my one on uh, frederick hobbs and god monster of indian flats uh, which I think I've talked to you about, Ken. I yeah, I, 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 I certainly haven't pursued it, but it it means something mm-hmm. to you, and I always like when you uh, engage yourself uh, creatively. I'm not saying you never you never do, but it, it's nice it's nice to see when when you do it, you complete and you uh, you go for it. And uh, if uh, the first episode that was about IFD indeed and Godfrey Ho is anything to go by, then it's going to be a jolly jolly good time with some solid information. It's covering far less films, so it's only like four movies the guy made, basically, that can even be talked about. It's almost done. I'm probably going to finish it maybe sometime after Christmas. It takes so much work doing those long videos with like lots of editing and everything, but uh, it, it, this one's not going to have as much animation in it and things like that i was about to say uh, if you were doing some more extensive things of that kind like it worked for that show because you had a little animated uh, godfrey ho flying over to thailand (laughs) or the philippines so with a bag of money and then flying (laughs) back to hong kong and there you have your source movie to to insert richard harrison into this one there's not as much of that and the movies there's so few of them i don't have to do little animated little things to show you know what movie i'm talking about you kind of know what it is you know so uh, it's less work but at the same time it's still a lot of work if the other one took over 100 hours this one might take 60 you know so still working on that very cool let us know when it's out and we'll uh we'll link to it in the meantime let's take a short musical break and uh, play some uh, play some uh, suave suave music from midnight from 1987 this is the dark charlie part the second half is kind of dark charlie but this is really the pronounced part where we really you know chew <laughs> take a bite out of uh, the dark charlie cake that's uh there we go Ooh. there we go going on here uh so sit tight guys and uh we'll uh, be right back in 30 seconds or so So, welcome back, and uh, our first review of this Christmas-tinted episode here in the Tidy Whitey Theater is Midnight from 1987, a plot from my review of the film. The character of Shu, played by Sean Poiquet, works as a hostess, which is, you know, the fancier word for prostitutes, only she gets to work in a club and not the streets necessarily. And she's also at the same time being the prime caretaker for her, her elderly father and her daughter. Her sister Angie, played by... Now, I've written... Let me just... I might keep this. I've written... A completely different actress, I think. I, I wrote Eliza Yu, but is it? No, it is Eliza Yu because you. yeah, because she she's further down in the cast list. So I was yeah. uh, conf- uh, confused a little bit. But yes, Angie is played by Eliza Yu, and is more preoccupied with spending. But uh, when 
Her sister Susan stays an injury while also dealing with a looming death. Ex-husband Piao, played by Charlie Cho, is demanding out of her. Angie takes on the same profession in order to do the right thing, and it all goes to hell. That's 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 uh, we've got to be upfront with that. It's not a pretty movie. What we do right now, King Ho, you have not been on for a while. We'll do a little bite-sized opinion opinions first, like a like or dislike of Midnight, and then we'll get into the more detailed discussion. So, have you seen the movie before? Did you like it then? Was it the first time this time around, and did you like it now? I saw the movie before, and I watched it for for this podcast, and it was okay. It was the same as I I had remembered. It was short, which I I love more than the movie itself. Shampoo K, I'm actually actually Facebook friends with Shampoo K. Um, Really? Yeah. Have you gone on and said anything stupid to her? No, I haven't. But I have. I have posted not on her page, but on my page. She she was uh, in uh, Playboy, uh, Hong Kong Playboy. So I did post the uh, the cover of Hong Kong Playboy. You she know, was a cover. sometimes Facebook automatically tags people. Sometimes I hope to God that doesn't happen. It did not. No, no, no. <laughs> but you know, she's likes some of my pictures. I like some of her pictures. So she's actually a real life person. Uh, yeah, she, and uh, she's not, of course, in the industry anymore. But um, I don't. Know. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, well, she she does a respectable job in in in, in this one. Uh, so uh, that that was nice, nice bite sized. And let's move over to Great Lord Joshua Eagle. Your your short take on Midnight's heavy ass melodrama, but uh, considering I could like keep up with the plot for the film, it got <laughs> some points for that as compared to our other film. So I, I did enjoy myself. I uh, can't deny it. Charlie is a despicable motherfucker, and mm. I enjoy that. They tapped him for. For this type of role this time, not uh, the role we're used to, which is uh, a big pro for the movie, I think. Uh, it is melodramatic, I agree. It's a dark and depressing tale of the hostess girl. I mean, did, this was commercial in Hong Kong. You know, it, these kind of stories, maybe with less nudity, attracted big actresses. You know, Maggie Chung did these kind of movies twice even, I think. Sherry Chung, Dodo Cheng. They, they were not as adult in tone. This is more adult in tone, so that's where... You know, Victor Jung's Midnight comes in. He's the director. It's competent, competent across the board, not hugely affecting. It's sort of cinema that, that you're engaged in for 90 minutes or 80 minutes in this case, and then it's sort of out of your life. But during the time I spent with it, it has an effect, I think, uh, a, a dark effect that's uh, quite well made. It was commercial, and you know this, King Hu, that these kind of big actresses did these movies at the end of the 90s, and mostly they were dark and melodramatic rather than... Uh, you know, dark melodramatic end and a nudie time at the same time. But did, did did you like enjoy these hostess movies or that was just too big of a melodramatic time for you? A little bit too uh, melodramatic. Uh, this one, well, had some nudity in it, so it was bearable. But usually the the, <laughs> the, the, the call girl movies, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a little too melodramatic for me. But I do, I do enjoy the actresses. I do enjoy the time period. So, of course, I watch them. It's one of these movies that uh, Maggie Cheung probably does a scene that she regrets doing. Uh, I think it's Moonstar and Sun, where mm-hmm. she... It, is it her that she gets a client that wears, like, different masks and stuff and wears, like, a Stallone mask or a Bill Clinton mask? And it's a big, like, obese client as well. And I think it's Maggie Cheung at the receiving end of this. So... You know, she was big enough as an actor, so I'm oh, like, sure. whoa, in the midst of your sort of career here, that's, well, brave girl, brave girl, I suppose. But with that out of the way, let's move over to Doc Charlie for a little bit. Is If I ask you, Joshua, is it a good or bad thing that he was tapped to play more darker characters, uh, or would you rather just see him tapped to play roles where he taps asses? <laughs> <laughs> 
do you think he's up to the task of playing uh, playing Absolutely. a dog? Uh, he is more than capable of playing a good scumbag, and he's a uh, pretty ruthless in this film. Pretty relentless guy. Uh, every time he's on screen, you're just like, "Oh fuck, what is this guy gonna do?" This you know, despicable human being. And he makes a grand entrance in the film, and it just kind of goes up from there. You know, turns for, turns from just former prison inmate slash rapist to you know drug peddling <laughs> uh psychopath he could do more you know as an actor he, he definitely uh knows how to make the audience hate him what about you king do you think uh, this was uh something that he should have been tapped to do more as a matter of fact um this was 87 i think mm-hmm. so this mm-hmm. was kind of a departure for him he was more into like the comedies and Wang Jing movies. He was even in Police Story. This was like a huge departure. And then I think after this movie, he went back to doing you know the the, the mainstream comedies. This character he plays is more like the characters he would go on to play in the early nineties. That was kind of a, his calling card. He was kind of pigeonholed into those into those roles for whatever reason. That's the Charlie Cho we kind of come to know and love. Is this this kind of Charlie? This this disgusting piece of shit. <laughs> Very much. I I mean, just think back on China Dolls from like ninety two. I think that was. Uh... Oh, that's the scene where he uses the butter on uh, yes, on, yes. Uh, on Amy Yip, I suppose. Uh, I don't remember now. I remember the butter. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but I, I agree. This is uh, It shows that there's a, a talent there. You, because if audiences hate you, and uh, the movie is competent sort of all around, uh, in, in and around that, then, then you're doing your, a good job. I agree. Um, so we get a view of Hostess Life, and th- there's no fun from the get-go, obviously. Um, Poi K's character is doing the honorable thing of taking care of her father, but she can't fake a smile before clients easily. I mean, it, she, she just looks depressed. And uh, and I have to say, it's kind of an in-tune performance in the early going by Poi K, because you those downtrodden eyes, you know, the, the, mm. there's sincerity in those eyes, I think. And, uh, and, and shit, the, this world is even so desperate that uh, staging a kidnapping is what you have to resort to in order to squeeze money out of someone. I mean, it's not a deep movie as such, but it's certainly this one-time director. I think Victor Young only did one movie. Certainly doesn't spare us. Uh, it's not a glamorous time. This. It's just... It sort of works that it's from a laser disc as well, so it looks even more crummy and stuff. Yeah, so it's, it's in tune definitely. with the movie. I mean, But I, I think she's really, really good in the movie. I mean, she's not... The, the the only times where it falters is where, where she's sort of forced to do the melodramatic acting, but otherwise I think she does a damn good job as this uh, character we feel very, very sorry about, and it's infuriating what a bad time she has in this movie. <laughs> you know, it goes from, you know, one shit shit sandwich to the next. <laughs> and uh, so, so yeah, I, I, I really, really... I, I can't remember any other performance from her, I'm sorry to say. I've seen her, I sort of... I can see that face in front of me, but I don't remember mm. any other performance. But if this is, like, the crown jewel of, um, you know, career, then, then why not? Why not? I, I think that's uh, deserved. So, any thoughts on that, her, her performance? Uh, is it, like, underplayed or too melodramatic for you, uh, King Hill? Oh, no, not at all. I think she actually looks the part, too. She's not um, this overly attractive female... So I think that kind of plays into it. She's just like a regular every every girl, you know. So I think that plays into it. She could be working in the business area, definitely. you know what I'm saying? De- yeah, like definitely. She, she doesn't she doesn't look slutty or anything like that. Right, you know? right. Yeah, and, and, and it's sort of the intent of the movie to to tell a story of uh, of uh, people who are just trying to get by, I suppose. Oh uh, yeah, she she looks just like a put upon person who who resorted to being a PR girl. 
she has no real, no choice because she has to uh, provide for the family. So she definitely fits the part. And cover her ex husband's debts. That great guy. Yeah, that which is where Charlie comes in. We'll, we'll talk about. Uh, and uh, it, it's kind of, I mean, the, the story is structured like this that the sister is so blissfully ignorant. And oh, that, sure. Th- that's sort of when the movie later on starts to falter a little bit that it's. Uh, the structure is so evident, but the both of them do all right, though. I mean, they you understand the contrast in character. Like, this sister comes in who is not mentally aware. I mean, I can swear she's 12 years old because she's <laughs> yeah. so damn stupid. Like, I need money for a party. Like, money. Like, do you remember the character from Parks and Recreation, though? Uh, the... Uh, uh, the sister of uh, the uh, Ralphio character. They, oh, were, yeah, they went yeah. up to Henry Winkler and like, money! <laughs> Otherwise I'll set your car on fire. <laughs> you know? so, so it's all, I need money for a party. Thanks, bye-bye. And then the sister's out, you know, and is out and just a uh, party girl. And so that that's infuriating in itself. Uh, though, yeah, so. I kind of hated her guts for the first <laughs> half of the movie. Yeah, very much so. Uh, it is an erotic movie. But yeah, I, I'm sure this would have been a free category free that is if it uh, would have been rated uh, in 1988 when the rating mm-hmm. came into play but but it isn't its bread and butter it isn't as calculated as Lan Kwai Fong Swingers is uh, you know uh, it's not trying to meet a quota or anything so when it does stage sex it's more on the erotic side it's sort of fought through a little bit more uh, in my opinion i mean it's sort of steamy it's unfiltered to a degree like yeah, the, the the secondary characters might it is secondary characters initially that we see have sex in the in the back seat no 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 it isn't it's andy and simon but there's a second sex scene with secondary characters but for once there's no like as great as it is seeing the likes of charlie cho being so giddy and too excited to like just touch anything <laughs> Like that's great, but for once it's nice to see when someone tries to shoot something mildly erotic anyway. So I, I appreciate the team putting some effort here and not put stupid Calypso music on the soundtrack <laughs> when <laughs> like in Lan Kwai Fong Swingers, man. <laughs> so so yeah, it, it's, it, it, there's some passion here. I, I dug it. So any verdict on, on the sexual content, if you will, King Hugh? I like sex and I enjoyed it. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Drop the Boots mic. They're good. That was it. <laughs> Are we done here? <laughs> Next movie. But but isn't it a relief that sometimes someone tries? You watch so many of these goddamn movies, and you get used to them being shot in boring-looking rooms with old men. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. So it's always old men too. And I know there are a few movies I I had seen that they were shot in the same bathroom sex scenes, just different movies. It's 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 crazy, and I mean, in relation um, from midnight to Lankwai Fong Swingers, it's it's totally different. The sex scenes in uh, Lankwai Fong Swingers are just so weird, and in, in this this movie, like you were saying, it's actually part of the plot, and it it, it belongs there. Yeah. And and they do go for it too. It's not uh, sure. it, 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 there's no like uh, flower pots uh, in strategically placed or anything like no, that. There no. there is nudity here, and there, there's some so certain unfiltered uh, nature to it all. Uh, look at me speaking so eloquently. There's an unfiltered <laughs> nature to the fucking. <laughs> uh, what do you think, Joshua? Was it a relief to see uh, something with sex well made for once in a Hong Kong movie, or well shot rather? It happens every once in a while, you know. Yeah, it, it definitely feels like a in that regard like a slightly less exploitative film but uh still very fucked up and still very exploitative you get the best of both worlds i guess 
it's not calculated though. That's the thing. I think uh, Victor, right. the director, is very who wrote the movie and was the action director. He's one of those guys. He's uh, very apt at making like the gritty abuse felt as well. You know, being the action director, there there are some violent moments in this movie, and, and you know, he's been chief of the whole production and the story, and he's he manages to balance all all of that. And uh, you know, the, the cop that takes care of uh, the Champoy K characters character, there, there's some nicely underplayed beats of you know kindness there and uh, whenever you underplay ever so slightly in a Hong Kong movie that that's like a big win for everyone because Hong Kong cinema's bread and butter was certainly not subtlety and uh, oh, always over the top yeah okay party scene <laughs> birthday party scene which is Charlie <laughs> Cho's uh, party time <laughs> which is Charlie Cho's uh, entrance and I like that the soundtrack has like a huge rumble on the as we see all the legs of Charlie first because uh, it's the kid that opens the door so you hear like <laughs> almost like he's here <laughs> he's opening a crypt exactly <laughs> we've unleashed something we shouldn't have we shouldn't have opened the ark Charlie came out <laughs> Dr. Jones <laughs> <laughs> oh you can re- redo that movie with uh, with uh, some scenes from Charlie, the Charlie Cho movie instead yeah <laughs> But, uh, you know, he's loud, he's brash, he's mouthy, he's tried to be like, oh, I'm so kind, hello, call me uncle. And he's, <laughs> you know, he can't fool anyone, he's a sleazebag and he's a scumbag. And that's recognizable stuff, you know, we've seen that uh, stuff in comedies. But it goes further. And uh, we might as well quote the scene a little bit, so oh, why don't you tell us a little bit, in, in short, what, what happens in this birthday scene, Joshua. Charlie wants money back, so does he settle for a down payment? Or what does he do? <laughs> That's one way of putting well, it, though. <laughs> first of all, I love, you know, Charlie invites himself into the house during the birthday. It seems a little upset that the child doesn't call him daddy and calls him uncle and whatnot uh and then you know proceeds to you know get upset that his ex-wife has not paid off his fifty thousand dollars in debt while he's been in prison and so yeah he um he decides to take uh take that ass as a down payment very unfortunate that's the other charlie I know that Charlie. <laughs> dog, the, the king whose dog is called Charlie. Guess who he named it after? It's not Charlie Brown. <laughs> it's not Charlie Sheen. <laughs> is it effective or is it too gloomy for the movie? Uh, this uh, this uh, rape scene, uh, Joshua. Because it happens also while they're singing Happy Birthday in the other room. And the family hears it too, and they're all just trying to ignore it. You know, because like you got the elderly grand or father in there and. There's no one who can actually really seem to come to our rescue, and uh, it, it's pretty brutal. I think it fits with the film because really the entire film is all about you know this character, just like you said, shit sandwich after sh- shit sandwich. Things just progressively pile up and get worse throughout the duration of the film for her, and you know that doesn't sound like probably the most appealing thing to people. You probably yeah, I want to see that movie where you know it's just a horror story for the main character, but. Well, well, when harshness is done competently, then um, I'm all for it. I mean, it's, sometimes even that can be... You know, you can argue that Lan Kwai Fong Swingers tries to be a gin dog and mm, look what happened to these characters, but it, it just sort of... It, I mean, it's sort of just terrible, especially compared to what Victor Young does here. There's no effect there. But I, no. I, I, I certainly agree that there is here. I mean, that this is the nature of the story. 
it's it's not lacking in valid nature because especially when it's not done by an amateur i mean it's quite amazing this is this guy's first and only movie mind you uh, he he shows he can lead totally shows he can lead and um, get his crew and cast to argue that this should mean something for 90 minutes at least even if it isn't poignant you know a year later in your mind uh what are you thinking who does uh is it too much for the movie or is it in tune with the movie to have such a dark scene a rape scene during happy birthday and everybody hears what's going on it's totally in tune with the movie i think it's uh like i said before a departure for charlie since he was in such all these comedies and 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 whatnot it's definitely in tune i think it brings a little more drama to to champu k's character Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, we, we feel for her. Yes, this is exploitation filmmaking, but I mean, at least it, it is made as a competent, it is a competent movie. I mean, uh, people are effing trying here. And, uh, you know, as I said, there's uh, this infuriating nature in terms of her bad luck. You know, when she gets scolded badly when the ceramic container with the soup or, or with the boiling content, like, breaks <laughs> and then falls onto her leg, man. I mean, it's just like, come on, give this girl a break. <laughs> And then it's one of those things like when she sits there and like goes and the guy's like trying to go down on her oh, and boy, uh, yeah. finds finds the <laughs> ulceration and like immediately assumes it's herpes and spreads it to everybody, you know, tells oh. everybody this. Yeah, because because she goes to work. That's the context. She goes to work and this guy starts eating the, like the crusted pieces of the wound. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> super <laughs> disgusting, man. <laughs> <laughs> and, and not willingly, mind you. <laughs> like, uh... <laughs> she's like, turn the lights out, baby. <laughs> it's more romantic. It's what she said. Uh, it's more romantic with the lights out. I don't get queasy easily, but that that scene made me queasy because it's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> he's spitting it out. He's like, what is this? A scab? Scab? <laughs> oh god. So I mean, yeah, yeah, that that is verging on too much. But hey, we've set up that this movie has gloom all over it, so why not go all the way? I suppose, and uh, you know, it, it's brave of her as a character, I suppose, to, uh, to just well, I gotta do what I gotta do. Uh, I gotta go, I gotta go to work. Such an entirely Hong Kong movie thing to do. You know, have have uh, VD and 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 sex disease and AIDS in your movie. <laughs> <laughs> like everybody, like everything goes to hell. Like I, I believe, like I, I, I always like that from Ross's reviews over at Love HK Film. Like he, he sort of say trademark that, and it all goes to hell, just for <laughs> joke purposes. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, I like the subtle detail, by the way, that she, and it's logical too, that Shampoo K's character often throughout the movie has bruises on her from multiple accounts of. They, 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 they really pay attention to that. That uh, she can't hide that she's gone through some crap, you know. And uh, the movie strikes a false note in the second half. A few false notes in the second half. One is that when Angie says that, "Oh, I'll work, and you, you don't have to work, and I'll step up as a sister." And there's a melodramatic, like, "Oh my God, you care so much about me," type of acting. I have to say, the sister relationship has not been set up well enough for that to be affecting. It's sort of Hong Kong stuff in terms of the melodramatic acting. Champoy K does respectively, but I think Victor, Victor's script has not been set up well enough because we kind of don't like Angie and it's not easy to feel like, oh, now we like her. The turnaround has happened. Nah, not believable enough, in my in my opinion. There would have been ways probably in that first half to set her up as being naive rather than having her 
basically be a leech coming and begging for money from a woman who we know is fifty thousand dollars in debt and fighting off you know triads you know all the time there had to be a better way to do that and had that been done if they'd approached it from a slightly different way the character would have had a little more sympathy you know what are you thinking here is that is that uh, you remember the scene where they do sort of uh, they, was it affecting or was it sort of weak for you so that's kind of weak i agree with with josh there is little little sympathy that's built up throughout the film for for her character and you know she 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 meets a a bad fate if the script built up some sympathy in the first half maybe i would have felt a little a little bad for her we with we're with the movie all the way to the end at least i am but there are some weaknesses like this fast track to coke addiction <laughs> that uh, you know it is in montage form yes but it is sort of uh angie's coke addiction that is it sort of just goes for you know snort once and then you're stuck forever and ever you know smell hard Yeah, Not exactly. <laughs> so, so I mean, it's part of the structure. He has his eye on structure, Victor Young, and um, but but uh, there there is some shaky characterization here. It sort of rebounds, I think, because you know there's need for revenge at the end, and that's affecting stuff. We'll we'll, we'll get to we'll we'll get to that because. Uh, I I, I want to think about one thing that really made me laugh. Um, in, uh, <laughs> I know where before. you're going with this. Well, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> there, there's just a minor detail. You might even miss okay. it. Okay. Right. Uh, Charlie and uh, one of his um, henchmen. Uh, well, the, the henchman is um, <laughs> like uh, put pouring coke into little uh, little bags. Uh, if we, I, if know we, we, I know, oh. I know, I know we're going to talk about. <laughs> well, well, talk of the scene now because I, it made me laugh out loud so much. They're, they're sort of. Um, They're not they're not doing well hiding the coke business. Let's just say that. So, do describe the scene, King. So yeah, uh, they're 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 I guess fixing baggies of coke, and um, someone knocks on the door, and they just cover all the coke on the desk with a book. Yeah, it tastes like the, the yellow and the pages. <laughs> <laughs> no one will ever know what we're doing right here. We have they have like a like a you know like a tray like a multi like uh, level tray or whatever like that could have been from a restaurant or what have you. So they have that and, like, la, 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 and it, there's like one door between uh, between them and could you imagine Breaking Bad being like so the characters of Breaking Bad being that sloppy? Just put put the yellow pages over it. No Jesse, one will ever know. Get the yellow pages. <laughs> <laughs> Heisenberg is is a sloppy motherfucker. Amazing. (laughs) I I thought that was wonderful. I didn't know I didn't notice it from my first uh, viewing, but it's like put something over it and it's like they've done it 100 times. Like the book always works. Thank God I have books. Right? Right, Joshua? Yes. (laughs) So book can be used for covering up your um, your 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 coke coke factory. So yeah, but but the the story beats when the girls, uh, you know, Angie and the other girl are forced to smuggle coke. You know, uh, when uh, she throws out that, that bag out of the window, yeah. and you know things are gonna turn so turn so bad. And I think that is exciting stuff for the movie. That 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 was tense. That, that that's like thriller stuff. Which and Victor starts to re- rebound. He does the story beats well, even if the Angie character and her coke habit and blah 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 is not set up well. So I thought that leading up to the the you know the ultimate fate we won't spoil all is affecting in terms of it's a de- it's decent thriller beats because you know she's not gonna find that bag that she, she just throws out of the window and she even says I threw it in the sea so you know you just know that 
well, someone's screwed. Someone yeah. is not going to come out uh, well after this uh, after this little piece of news that she has to deliver to Charlie, and who is always so like, oh, it's okay. Like uh, he's such a smarmy manipulator, but his switch into violent Charlie is not revolutionary, but I think it's very he responds to that. I think uh, he's scary enough, even if he's not the most scary villain ever. But the fact that oh yeah, he has a violent streak in him too. It's fairly impressive, I think. Any notes on this sort of, uh, I don't know, leading up to the ending? Does it deserve the whole, the as violent ending as we as we get without without spoiling it? So if we go over to you, King Who. That that uh, surprised me, the ending. It's out of place, but it's a Hong Kong movie. It's like everything but the kitchen sink is tossed into these movies. This is like a, a drama, and all of a sudden it becomes, the last five minutes is a revenge action pick. Yeah, it's, gun, it's gunplay. That's crazy, and I... I I said, oh shit, at one time, it was just like, there's like a point blank shot to someone's head and shocked the crap out of me. Like, holy yeah. shit. I did not expect it. Did not expect it at all. But like I said, it's everything is, is fair, fair play in, in this type of Hong Kong cinema. So it was welcome for me. I, I liked it. Yeah, I mean, his small pieces of action that he does, even before that there's a scene where someone gets hit by a car or a bus, mm. and you got a very clever qu- uh, shot of a, a dummy, but a yes, quick, cut, yes. quick cut to the actress. And the reaction shot of her being you know, being hit by that car—it's a very clever way of uh, not hurting a stuntman for once. <laughs> you know, they use a dummy for once. And uh, like, if you get hit by the bus, you get two rice boxes. A uh, young stuntman, go go at it. But but the the gunplay ending is—it um, reminded me a little bit of—I don't know if you've seen this movie, Joshua, but it, it reminded me a little bit of the gunplay ending to Nobody's Hero. Which is a fantastic mm. underrated, yes. Uh, yes. like underdog movie, and there's some headshots there that just yes. is uh, elite stuff coming from Hong Kong cinema. You know, so it's not stylish John Woo, obviously. It's more leaning towards you know to simplify it a little bit of Kirk Wong and Ringo Lam in style. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I I think it's terrific, uh, terrific ending. And uh, as I said, you're invested for the 90 minutes, so you have the the blood first as a viewer is there for the time that the movie lost you know uh, and 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 that's all fine so i think uh, that revenge ending and the violent acts that do occur are quite exhilarating i think it's very impressive what do you think joshua when uh, when we get to revenge and hong kong cinema gunplay all of a sudden (laughs) well i think that after all the horrible stuff that we've seen charlie do you know that it's kind of a relief i kind of just the violence that comes out you know to kind of direct it towards you know, in his way, I think that that stuff actually uh, kind of it pays off in the fact that yeah, now you know we went through all the shit of watching him take the sister and you know get her into gambling debt and you know get her hooked on drugs, you know sniff hard, all that stuff. You finally like okay, sniff hard, but die hard, the die hard series went on a different little detour, if you will. I mean, have you seen Bruce Willis these days? I don't really care about Bruce Willis to be honest. We all know he's a dick too, so uh, that's uh, yeah. it's greedy and lazy. Yeah, greedy and lazy. <laughs> greedy and lazy. <laughs> but you know, it, it it works though the the ending because right. we we got Champoy K involved. We can say that, and she's not Rambo. You know, speaking of Stallone, she is. She she doesn't turn into an unrealistic sort of uh, Hong Kong cinema gunplay heroine or anything. She does. You know, she can aim and shoot. You know, they keep it within sort of yes, gunplay might not have had a place in this movie but it doesn't turn into 
you know, giant fat sliding down stair railings type of gunplay or anything out of the blue. And there's some terrific, terrific falls and kicks. And I mean, shit, Charlie Chode almost does his best girl on the hook scene a la Texas Chainsaw mm. Massacre. I thought that yeah. was, I thought that was going to happen right there. I did too. Still got brutal. Pretty damn brutal. And yes, Charlie is this maniacally laughing villain at this point, but the tone is correct. He brings the correct tone for for the kind of movie that there is. I don't think there's a like a false, like a, it doesn't ring false or anything. He, uh, It's a big ending. Hong Kong cinema goes big and maniacally laughing villains are sometimes very, very effective. Uh, we like when they get shot by the end, essentially. Hmm. You know? it's, uh, it's in and out of your life, but I think it's uh, pretty... Really damn decent, um, decent time. I just have um, two small notes, but I'll, I'll do them at the end. So I'll, I'll, I'll go around the room. Any other notes you want to say and share with from the movie King Who? So whether from beginning, middle, or end. I do actually. There's a scene that we failed to mention. Uh, there's nudity in it, so I have to mention oh, is it. Is it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a it's a beach scene at night where Charlie and his dirtbag cohorts. Take um, Eliza Yu and her friend. They they strip them down. They um, apply them with this drug called Cold Kent, whatever <laughs> that is. And they, so they strip them down and they start tossing them around the beach like like midget tossing. Wow. <laughs> and I don't. I, I it's 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 a funny scene, but I it's a disturbing scene because these girls are just just fucked up on drugs and they're yeah. literally being just tossed around like. You grab her hands, I'll grab her feet, and let's toss her around. I, it's, it's just an odd scene, and I had to mention it. It was awesome. I have no idea what it's about, but there was tits in it, and I liked it. <laughs> t- it ticks the boxes. Yes. T- tits tick the boxes. Tits and tossing. <laughs> tits and tossing. If that don't sell you on the movie, what does? <laughs> Well, there, there, there is an erotic scene uh, too. Uh, another scene that was uh, that had some breasts in it. Uh, I, I don't judge anyone. Uh, in terms of what what they like to do sexually, but I don't know about spitting rose petals onto your partner's breasts. <laughs> how 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 that is even slightly erotic? Because it's just like <laughs> 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 they shoot it in slow motion, mind you. So it looks tender and nice, and she's like, oh, nice, it's so nice. Nope, not gonna do it. I I, I understand. Putting rose petals on the bed and all of that, you know, a, a trail of rose petals, but spitting them onto your partner's <laughs> nipples is not in the slightest erotic to me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Maybe, maybe it's cultural. Maybe you know that's what they do. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm being I'm being judgmental, but that, that's what it is. All right. Any other notes, uh, King Who or Joshua? What is it? I'm I'm good on my end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I do know that uh, Eliza Yu was in Penthouse and Playboy. And I know that because I, of course I, have, you know those, it. I have those magazines <laughs> and I enjoy them very much. Are you one of those collectors that uh, actually uh, reads the magazines, like flick through them, or they're like in uh, plastic cases and stuff and protected from wear and shit? I flick through them and do my business with them and then I put them in a protective case and, <laughs> and that's that. Because <laughs> you only need it once. <laughs> that's it. Once is enough. <laughs> uh, okay, as for availability, it's, uh, well... It's not easy to own it. I mean, Ocean Shores had the rights, and uh, they did at least a VCD and Laserdisc, and that was probably it, because Ocean Shores' rights never really transferred to bigger DVD companies, and uh, and it got like re-released through, through through the years and all of that. So it, it's it's harder to find, but uh, you know, we do these shows not to make it difficult for your listeners, but we do this show because it, uh, these kind of movies for the show because it fits the theme we're going for here. Dark Christmas. <laughs> Dark Hong Kong Christmas. <laughs> 
so that was always metal, like Dark Christmas. The car's coming from inside of the house. So go on the hunt for used copies, or if worse comes to worse, you know, you can find it online, I'm sure. Uh, the movie is in full screen, but it, it usually doesn't suffer from it. Uh, I mean, there, there's a couple of letters cut off of the subtitles here and there, but uh, that's it. It's not a it's not a widescreen movie as such, uh, a wide, wide screen movie. So uh, that's the, probably the best version that's going to be uh, out there for us forever and ever, really. Because uh, Hong Kong cinema, you know, category three or not, it was so great in volume during certain eras that some movies are just going to be stuck in time. But uh, hey, it's not a bad viewing option, if I'm being honest here. The, the movie's strengths uh, come through. There it is. What, uh, do you own it on uh, big disc or little disc, King Who? Uh, I think this was a laser disc. And uh, yeah, so I think, we, I think we're done. The disc is also the, the dark Charlie. And now we move on to the second half after the break where... Things just, well, it's dark, but it's typical Charlie in the second half, I suppose. <laughs> but then again, not typical Charlie, because uh, he uh, his role, his usual role, is enhanced sexually. <laughs> that's a little tease, that's a little tease for you. <laughs> so in the second half, uh, we get, it, it, in part, is a re-review of Lang Kwai Fong Swingers from 1993, since King Who has reviewed it for us on the show, and unlike this week in Sleeves 4 or 5, uh, but, uh, or maybe even 6. But uh, me and Joshua have not shared our views on it and uh, it's uh, it's a doozy let's just say that it's uh, it's special all right so uh, we'll be right back uh, after this uh, the, the wonderful uh, le- let's try and find a calypso score from lang kwai fong swingers and play that uh, in the break because uh, that that just makes sense but uh, sit tight and we'll be back And welcome back in the second review of our Christmas episode. Here at the Tide Away Theater is of Lang Kwai Fong Swingers from 1993. Sounds innocent enough, doesn't it? Well, get a load of this. <laughs> so, plot from our very own King Who, who on a previous episode sort of said this of the plot, whatever the little plot there is. So, it's a mixture of what he said in and some quotes, some opinions of his as he was telling us of the sparse plot that is uh, in Lang Kwai Fong Swingers. So, if this is choppy, that's not his fault. It's just a movie, sort of. So, your quote, King Who. Oh, they should be ashamed of themselves. These fucking filmmakers have balls of steel. I don't know how they sleep at night. <laughs> that, that's your quick opinion right there. Yes. yes. <laughs> and as he described, as, as we start the movie, we get a disclaimer. On behalf of the Lang Kwai Fong filming, welcome to Hong Kong Cinema Grammar here, we would like to express sympathies for this horrible incident. And this is all placed over news footage of monks praying and chanting. And the newsreel footage ends, ends, and we get another disclaimer that reads, The plot of this film was based on dramatization. We did not intend to recreate the exact scene. Bullshit. <laughs> that was my, uh, my comment. So, the all-over-the-place kind of story then starts. And it, mostly the film is about these slutty tramps, that's your words, called Lan, Kwai, and Fong. <laughs> waka 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 <laughs> they're party girls they're doing drugs they're in need of money constantly so they're in their circle of friends there's a small time drug dealer that turns in 
turns the whole gang into small-time category-free filmmakers as well. And we get relationship nonsense, suicide attempts, blackmail, black magic, and a ton of dirty sex. And of course, Charlie Cho, playing a bisexual bar owner called Henry. Outside the bar, though, a priest speaks of Lan Kwai Fong as being haunted, and that there will be an incident in a month. In the words of King Hu again, who gave us some... Uh, some info on uh, Lan Kwai Fong, uh, w- w- you know, what it is and uh, where it is. Uh, it's uh, an area, I don't know if it's a big area, on Hong Kong Island, home to a um, slew of bars and clubs. Uh, it's a hot a hot uh, spot for night clubbing, essentially, you know, for expats to, to drink and party. So it's uh, you you can probably encounter a lot of Westerners uh, going there even today. Uh, so if I stop, I stop myself right there, at the time when we did that review, or you did that review, you had not gone to Hong Kong. When you did go to Hong Kong, did you find time to visit Lan Kwai Fong? I did. I found time to visit Lan Kwai Fong maybe like on a Tuesday night. And we got there maybe midnight and it was hopping. It was wall to wall, packed, shoulder to shoulder. It was like nothing I've ever seen in my life. It was like, a, I guess, take Mardi Gras and kind of condense it into a one, one small block area. There's there's maybe a there's a ton of bars and there's music coming from every bar. It's just chaos. Everyone's just plastered. It's 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 insane. It's it's it's, it's quite a scene on a Tuesday. On a Tuesday <laughs> night, yeah. So yeah, we we wound up staying there till like four o'clock in the morning. We actually I'm gonna I'm gonna name drop. Uh, we met Mike Leader there. Hey. He was actually he was managing uh, at the time managing slash bouncing at the Hard Rock Cafe. Wow. So yeah, we I bumped, bumped into him. He bought us a few drinks. He stuck around. Uh, Shot the shit with us for for a while. Gave us a whole bunch of uh, old Hong Kong cinema stories, and it was it was we watched a lot of people pass out on the floor, uh, throw up. Yeah, it was a great time. Instagrammed it. Good times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Took a lot of video. It was great. Made of Cat Three film. Got some tents. <laughs> well, Mike is the real deal, and his story is always um, always. Um... If I look to someone for like so sort of a truth behind yes, certain things, exactly. that Mike seems to come from the right perspective, that the rational perspective that you you tend to believe. Right, right. And as for the real life incident, again, we're coming back to this that inspired these piece of shit filmmakers, to quote you again, <laughs> that made a dirty sex movie with real life tragedy as a framing device. This tragedy, and it is really sad, took place in Lai Kwai Fong on New Year's Eve, the ringing in nineteen ninety three. And 20 people died on this night in what essentially was a human stampede. You know, people were out on the streets, partying. Streets were slippery from beer and champagne and party foam for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> they have like like these foam cannons and shit. Okay, yeah. whatever. And and this incident, uh, you know, was initiated. You know, the stampede started. And, uh, and uh, to, to quote an article from The Independent at the time, just to give you a little bit more, uh, more eloquent idea of what happened. Uh, a resident who watched the... Uh, uh, watch the event, uh, you know, the, these initially harmless festivities on television. You know, it was on television. Uh, it's apparently, is it a tradition to broadcast the Lan Kwai Fong New Year's Eve celebration? I don't know, but uh, it was on television and they awakened, th- those who didn't watch it, awakened to shocking headlines and graphic photographs in their morning newspapers. Uh, and uh, it's unbelievable waking up to this, a man said. And witness said, witnesses said thousands of revelers uh, split out of bars into the narrow streets and rushed down the steep uh, Dagula Street only to slip and tumble on cobblestones drenched with beers and again party foam. And uh, one witness said it was impossible to distinguish between revelers' whoops and the victims' agonized screams. And uh, when people started getting crushed 
it was just noise, noise, noise. An American called Scott Anderson said, who ran or runs the top dog snack bar. There was no difference in the noise. There was just a sheer mass of people, Mr. Anderson said. And he and other shopkeepers tried to ease the crush outside by pulling people off the crammed street. And a few minutes later, there were bodies lying in the street, he said. It was like a war zone. I've never seen anything like that. And that must be true even on, on a night where the streets aren't cramped as much that it is it is narrow the, the area of Lan Kwai Fong so certain streets or what was your sort of take on it when you saw it uh, yeah it's, it's uh, very narrow and it's also Hong Kong Island is also kind of all on a hill so the, the streets are also kind of slanted so they're, they're not very level so it, it's a it's, it was an accident waiting to happen actually it's it's terrible you, you can just slip uh, walking you know like a normal person yeah the, the movie shows that yeah like these uh, these cobblestone streets indeed yeah uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so enter filmmakers who by May, this was in January, well, January 1st or December 31st, who by May had their sex movie where their characters meet their deadly fate during this night done, you know, and for, for no well-explained reason they had their characters uh, end up like this in both staged footage with actors but also intercut with distressing newsreel footage of what looks like the stampede in motion and the aftermath with people being carried off and people lying in the streets. Piece of shit Hong Kong filmmakers. <laughs> as for my short opinion well you have to be sort of well immersed into the mess that can be category free filmmaking because you know everybody and their relatives made category free movies at one time you know so you, you need to be able to laugh at it and laugh with it and usually i kind of am and uh, i mean it is an absolute disaster of a movie and done using the worst <laughs> commercial transparent motivations <laughs> that's usually charming but you know when you frame it like this with a real life tragedy it's absolutely disgusting but there are some sequences that has nothing to do with that that are very funny but when they frame it around this for no good reason then it becomes like the king of assholes of category free moves they, they usually didn't go this far and they, they certainly did go too far in my opinion but uh, it is a mess but I, I i can't say i had a bad time i just thought it was uh T- tough to watch uh, at times, you know. The human kicked in. Thank- you know, it's there. <laughs> Thankfully, the, the human side Somewhere in me is in there. That black heart of yours. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, so, Joshua, what did you think of, in short, of uh, Lan Kwai Fong's winners? <laughs> I have so many thoughts. Uh, I would say that it, it's kind of like one of those things, like, yeah, yeah, you judge the movie, blah, 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 but it, it's one of those things that you just like explaining to people. Like, it, it's so puzzling and so weird. You know, it's it's not a, like a favorite short film or anything like that, but they have like there's actually a movie called Gay N Words from Outer Space, and it's about you know black men who travel and down to Earth and dump buckets of semen on their head. So you know, you like explaining that to people. Like this actually, this what's that, so what's that movie? Ex- I gotta watch that movie now. <laughs> you could probably find it. Uh, didn't you say it was made by a Danish director? It is. Mm. Yeah. Jeez. And like black and white and shot on video or something. Oh, it's yeah, it's 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 terrible and like weird and the, buckets but of it, semen. You say <laughs> buckets. Never, never mind a derogatory word in yeah. the title. Like buckets of semen. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And normally I don't even uh, you know cut that out, but yeah, I figure you know now that Trump's president, I should probably tone down. You know, I should you know self-impose a little censorship, but uh. This is a movie about a tragedy, and these people made a sex movie about it. It's like, why wouldn't you? You kind of have to see something like that. If somebody tells you that exists, you're like, that's fucking terrible. I got to see that, you know? 
And that's, what I guess, what the filmmakers were going for. Yeah, people need to see our take on it. <laughs> our, take, our take on this tragedy is that... A, Has piss in it. <laughs> that the reason this all happened was because this guy didn't leave girls alone. That's the reason. Black Magic said that this guy should have left girls alone, and he didn't, and everybody had to die because of that. It's a Christian movie. oh boy well first reservation for me charlie is called henry that's not right Mm. (laughs) you sort of become if you know the story behind it you you're already kind of disgusted at uh from the get-go you know we express sympathies you know my ass you know it's bad from the get-go you know with the text on screen and the ominous music you might give them a slight chance because you, if you don't, if you don't know what's going on, then oh, are they gonna dramatize something horrible that's happened? Oh, maybe this will be hard to watch, but uh, an engaging time as they intend to dramatize this. But they're simply exploiting tragedy, trying to add some edge and juice to their quick filmmaking here, and and you you know it's pretty obvious early that after they cut to you know Charlie primarily you know where the sort of filmmaking filmmaking shops are at <laughs> you know charlie isn't even in, even in the first scene i mean it's puzzling from the get-go why are they in, are they in japanese class king who explain explain yourself i cannot explain it because i do not know i do not know it seems like they're they're there to be to learn to how to woo in yes. japanese and they're cursing in class too yeah right <laughs> trash they're trash these people are they trash, are trash. Yes. <laughs> And even Reina Otomo like sets up her character. Well, oh, teacher, my pussy is wet. Yeah, right, what I, is Jesus, that? whoa! She's like is, that in class. This is up front. And, uh, okay, she's a free spirit. Fine, and you look gorgeous. If I as meet you. a lovely Japanese girl and I want to sleep with her. What should I say? <laughs> what the fuck? What's and wrong why, with you? Why does the instructor have a Hitler mustache? <laughs> And the instructor, no or, or the Chinese, du- they they have two dubbers for that yes, character. Yes. The guy who speaks in Chinese, and the guy who speaks in Japanese. Completely different. Oh. <laughs> totally different voices. So, I mean, okay, they're setting up shallow people and uh, people, you know, material people. And garbage. All of that. And, and horny men, and kind of garbage. Okay, you're setting up characters, fine. But it, it never really sets up anything well, and... And you you almost become like Lan Kwai and Fong, really. Is that the extent of your creativity? Let's go to the same area that our names are... Oh, God. (laughs) And, you know, it could have been charming, I guess, because of this completely crazy story that that they present to us, that this is a haunted place and there's bad feng shui here. But it's so badly made. It's not like energy here no comedic energy that's actually good and no like crazy hong kong style filmmaking here it's kind of it's another sex movie man okay we see charlie and that is an entrance uh for the uh for the books for the ages uh joshua uh what happens when we meet henry for the first time let me ask you something <laughs> in uh in sweden like on the school grounds when you were a kid and everything did people used to do the thing where, like, you say you're wearing a long sleeve, you know, you'd pull your shirt, your, uh, like, say your right arm into your shirt and then hold, like, your sleeve and then do, like, the chest bursting motion from aliens? Did, anybody, did you ever see anybody do that? 
Yeah, I think so. Now that you say, no, not for any naughty purposes or anything. We just no, no, but mim- mim- like, that's that's what you see, right? You see the chest heaving out, you know, and people would pretend, right? So imagine you walk into a bar, and the uh, lady up at the counter is at the register, and for some reason her chest is doing that motion, but you can see that her hands are, you know, out of her. No, well, you know. well, she's mixing a drink in this case. Yes, well. The reason that's happening is there's Charlie Cho hidden, ducking behind the <laughs> counter with his hands, like going fucking ballistic on her tits. <laughs> <laughs> and, and while he does this, he has some just wonderful dialogue. Uh, very pretty. Very comfortable. <laughs> it kills me. Great. Great. <laughs> <laughs> The the worst thing is that he's he's his his slurping sounds as well, <laughs> and what a guy he's ready to go, man. Because and I, I admire Charlie in a way, the actor. He's not trying to be suave and sexy. He's just he has no problem being a horny a horny animal on screen, you know. So big ups for honesty, I suppose. Uh, so, but he's ready to go. He's he's ready to go, not just fondly because he fucks her over that counter as well. It was daytime too. Daytime it wasn't yeah, like three o'clock in the morning. It was three o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> I think that's the only time you see these people work. <laughs> he's doing a, a kind of work, I guess. And when the drink comes out, he's all white and foamy. Ha ha ha! After he's come and all of that. So, uh, <laughs> clever filmmaker. Ha ha! Probably an excellent drink to boot. You know. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Charlie Cho is um, he is bisexual and he's super hetero and he's super bi as well. That that confrontation in the streets is is uh, that typically effeminate, you know, gay character. So they're not um, they're not subtle about the depiction of either heterosexuality or homosexuality. <laughs> so I guess fair play, I suppose. I mean, it, it's it's so unusual. Uh, I, I can't remember any time Charlie played a gay man or a bisexual man, so oh. he's adding oh. to his uh, oeuvre, if arsenal. you will. Yes. This is arsenal, indeed. Repertoire. So, so yeah, is this uh, one of the better Charlie Cho entrances in movies, King Ho? Um, this is one of my favorite uh, Category 3 movies, just because it's so bizarre. And at, by this time, I think this was Charlie Cho's persona in film. You know, he was uh, a, a sleazebag. He, he was an old lecher, always always had sex with uh, you know, the young, young starlet, so... This was something we come to expect, even in 1993, from Charlie. Uh, this is definitely one of his one of his more interesting uh, roles. I guess it's charming because we sort of we we don't mind these dumb and even bad sex movies. There is something to just well, that's what it is, you know. Right. Because the sex scenes are not shot well and with any intent to sort of uh, create the passion on screen. But, I mean, for heaven's sake, they put a Calypso score in the back of one sex scene while a Michael Douglas movie is playing in the background, probably on Laserdisc. I was looking at it. Is that Black Rain? No, maybe it's Wall Street because his hair looks like slick back. So oh, yeah. that was what I was looking at. What's the Michael Douglas back movie in the background? And that tells you everything you need to know about how good the sex scenes are in this movie. But there is sex and there is nudity. They have the, the three... The three Bs of Category Three, butt, boobs, and bush, which is always a bonus. I mean, I mean, uh, again, just for the sake of context, uh, Joshua, any plus points for the sex scenes, or it's just age-old stuff that we've seen before, and it's not, it's, it's unsexy, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's just, it's titties. It, it just to give you something to do. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's there. Well, they certainly employed people uh, like Charlie. They gave him something to do, you know. But, but uh, if, yeah. you, if you were to know that Charlie Cho is in this movie and then watch the movie 
and then see Charlie Chow didn't have any sex in the movie, would you be disappointed? Yes. Of course, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we're, this, this movie's a win. This is a big win. Four stars. Well, well, the, the actual movie-making sequences towards the back end of the movie, they, that, that is four-star material. That is hilarious, <laughs> but we'll, we'll get to it. I mean, none of these people are good people. I mean, as I said, don't these people have jobs? Because no one does anything. Mind you, we see someone working in finance or stock market or what have you, but uh, one of the guys. Uh, but uh, one is a you know, gold digger, and uh, you know they go to wound lessons, they go home for karaoke party, they get high, <laughs> and like in the presence of each other, they cheat on their partners, and there's relationship drama like that. So, so yeah, I mean, it's the kind of filmmaking uh, that I've seen before. You know, I can get through it, but it's it's the framing device that makes it a little bit tougher. And but but, but there's no like engagement, obviously, in the soap opera drama that's going on here. I don't think it's even up to a soap opera drama level, to be honest. It's so badly made because these are reprehensible people, and who cares about these conflicts? They they're merely springboard for commercial elements. You know, like these these sex scenes, and I guess that's fine, but. In all honesty, King here again for context. I mean, do do we care about anything that happens to these people? No, we're we're just in it for the nudity, pretty much. <laughs> and that's another thing. Uh, even going back to Midnight, they they don't really set up these characters as sympathetic, so their their fate really isn't that alarming, or we really don't care what happens to these people. But really, we're we're in it, we're in it for the tits, you know, pretty much. And so with the so with the filmmakers. Yeah, so were they? And many filmmakers were, and they did did the thing dependently well. They made up their own story. They didn't need to uh, go the true life crime route or anything. Uh, they 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 could make enough, craft enough of a script for eighty five to ninety minutes of calculated sexy time, and that would be fine. But there are a lot of stuff here that isn't fine. That is very very shitty. Uh, you know, as we'll as we'll explain, as certainly explain towards the back end. I love the tattoo exchange, the dialogue uh. exchange <laughs> about the tattoo. Not, I mean, the, the reveal of the tattoo is amazing, but the only time the couples even have a clever discussion is when they're talking about the tattoo. Someone says he's not in the scene initially, uh, so they say Henry or Charlie. He's so powerful now that he's got his butt now that he's got his buttock tattooed. And the other guy says, bullshit, because if that worked, all men would throw away nutritious food. You know, if uh, if a tattoo worked wonders on your libido, is what they're saying. For this movie, that's a great point, the super clever writing, to be honest. He calls it on, because these girls are so damn stupid. Uh, oh, he's, got a, he's got a tattoo. That must, must mean that he's powerful in bed and shit. And that guy just calls, calls the bullshit as it is, you know. And I thought that was for this movie. Pretty damn clever, you know. <laughs> so yeah, but but then they go and dance in this club. There's only like eight people in in, in the club. <laughs> <laughs> they do say business has taken a toll, but it looks like a pretty dis- de- depressing club, to be honest. That's because they're all there at noon. That's exactly right. <laughs> well, well, on a Tuesday at noon, I'm sure the real <laughs> Lang Kwai Fong is uh, you know boiling with uh, boiling with activity. But uh, here's the thing too. You know, Joshua, you know King Who. Hong Kong movies exploited real-life events. And that was usually fine because they made a movie about it, right? They made an untold story about it. They made a run-and-kill about it. And they didn't feel the need to show us, you know, the real news footage and what have you. So they, they were movies, right? It didn't feel ex- like exploitation. But this unusual move, a lazy move, really, is new. 
I mean, did, did they did they go too far? You think King Who, where because of these choices? Mm, they didn't use any, uh, I guess, real names of the, of the people that were involved in the tragedy. So I guess that kind of makes it okay. I guess, but I mean, like I guess legally, <laughs> yeah, I guess legally using the names, but they still use the tragedy to sell a sex movie. So maybe that's kind of kind of shitty. That's a that's a shitty thing to do. I mean, we see towards the end people being carried away and stuff. So yeah, I mean, yeah, God love them for doing it. I enjoy the movie; it's great. But I mean, it's kind of like I said, they're they're pieces of garbage. How do they sleep at night? I sleep fine watching the movie. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> So what do you think, Joshua? Is this, uh, is this, you, you know we've seen a, a bunch of these uh, true life crime movies, good or not, but it, it must have felt like they're taking new steps here in exploiting yeah, events. Yeah, it's definitely crossing the line, you know? It's, it's definitely not tactful or decent or anything like that, but it's so bizarre you can't look away. Just the, you know, I had no idea about the tragedy. Like, I watched the last, you know, couple minutes, like, a couple of times like trying to figure out what the hell just happened you know i'm like was there an earthquake what what happened you know because you, you can't see it exactly what happened so oh boy but yeah they 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 really stepped over the line and uh <laughs> it's beautiful it's wonderful yeah uh, yeah i mean it's part of movie history now and uh yeah they, they deserve a slap on the wrist that they that they got but they, they their movie deserves to be sort of watched i suppose you know uh despite all of this uh it would be like if they made a new American Pie post nine eleven, and were like, you know, they were all having sex around the World Trade Center or something. You know, <laughs> it's like, what the fuck, you fucking awful a few people, you know? months after the thing too. <laughs> a few months. <laughs> I guess that's why they don't set it up at all because people, the few people that went and watched this, believe me, it was not a big. Anyone re- would remember this if they. Oh my god, it's like Langkawi that event. What the fuck? <laughs> I was there that night. Oh, shit. That... I was here for the Charlie Chill sex movie, and that's what I got. You know? <laughs> well, let me, um, I, when I was in Hong Kong, please let me, let me just be a dick and, and name drop for a second. I just want to show you how, how far Hong Kong Center has, has become. Or, and this is 1993, Lang Kwai Swingers. Filmmakers have no care in the world to take a tragedy and turn it into a film. I was speaking to um, Daniel Chan, the director, and he's like a Wang Jing protege. So he was writing a script with a friend about a true crime in Hong Kong, a more recent true crime involving a renegade cop named Choi Po Ko. And he brought the, the script to Wang Jing. And even Wang Jing says, you know, there's still people around that were affected by this tragedy. Um, I don't think we can do this film. That's, that's, that's oh, Wang Jing saying that. Rewind what? to 1995 and Wang Jing would uh, probably respond to that a wee bit differently. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So that's that's how I guess... 20 some odd years down the line that's how far or uh hong kong cinema has has become well, well thankfully we got good movies based on uh, real life that was the, at least a pro to all of this mm. ho- horrible stuff you know dr lamb and all of that i mean uh, they're not bad movies they're, 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 they're certainly hong kong movies because some of them are very dopey sure, uh, sure. Uh, but they're damn effectively made but they, you can't lump this in with with that quality so no no way not yeah, there's definitely a divide between uh, category threes, like like you said, like a Run and Kill, uh, Red to Kill, Doctor Lamb. Those are kind of really art artsy yeah. films. Yeah, and these are just they they got the the money from from their couch cushions to make these films. This is just garbage <laughs> filmmaking, you know. It's, it really is. It's just trash, and yeah. it shows. It shows. Probably made in a week with about eight people, eight people including the cost. Exactly, because <laughs> it, it, it seems seems like as little of a production as we see in the movie and we get to the best parts of the movie where i finally had a little bit of chuckle at things uh so times are tough guys 
that's a social this is social commentary time so you gotta make a porno and that's what these people do and i love the pitch scene because it feels like when they go to the guy's house that is not the director i thought he was going to be the director apparently he only has the film equipment because these guys become their own casting crew (laughs) (laughs) and uh, i love the pitch media i fucking loved love so much granted i was a little bit uh, you know stoned (laughs) but it was so much fun because it felt like they're doing a pitch meeting akin to how it would have happened in real life because you have this grungy little storage room which is uh, in in a flat but it looks like a storage room and the director the clever director gets his money and then he has his story that he comes up with it's about two guys wooing girls and Charlie's reaction thumbs up very good plot indeed <laughs> I swear to god that a real life pitch meeting to Charlie went exactly like this and he signed on I don't know if the filmmaker's word is clever but as it stands now the movie in this section where they shoot their porno and all of that is like a very sharp parody of crappy category free filmmaking it sort of turned into that. I don't think they intended it to be that, be this way, but this section where they make the porno, pornos, they make them twice. It's wonderful. I think it's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. So I'll, I'll stop right there. Uh, Joshua, any notes on the um, Charlie and Friends make a porno sequence? It looks like it has about as much plot as the film itself. The one Where do they shoot it? By poolside, of course. All the guys wear these like uh, tight black Speedo things that cover up their junk. They, they're all pretty poor at uh, pretending to have sex, it seems. They're kind of giggly, too, which is like people would yeah. be sort of giggly. Like, oh, we're making right. porn of <laughs> But they're not shooting even on a film camera, which killed me. They have a VHS recorder camera, camera thingy. And no Who crew. Who are they selling this to? Well, they, they sold it. They apparently sold it. The underground VHS porn is the, is the, bus- is the business <laughs> you have to turn to because the movie... People are like, man, I can't deal with uh, all that story and Cat 3 films. So, you know, I've got to just have the fake sex. You know, I've just got to get the fake... I've got to have just 30 minutes of people fake fucking. And that's that's it. But, King Ho, what's your, um, what's your notes on this uh, shooting the porn sequence? Do... You know, is it funny? First of all, it's hysterical, and it, it, this the movie is like a, it's like Full Metal Jacket. There's two halves of this movie. There's two separate halves <laughs> that, are, that don't belong. It's it's amazing. The whole the first half is just it's really difficult to describe this movie. That's why I think in my initial review it, to, to 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 speak about plot, it's impossible. I mean, it's so slapdash, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's so a... ridiculous. And the second half is just it's just TNA yeah. and bonking, and it's it's Charlie has his. Cock tucked between his legs like Buffalo Bill from the Sons of the Lambs, and he's wearing like a merkin. I don't, I don't know if that's his real pubic hair or what. I, it's, it's, just, it's bizarre. It's just bizarre. He says his dick is bleeding at one point. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I was looking at that. I mean, the subtitles are sort of against white background, but did he just say he's bleeding from his dick from sex? See a like, doctor. <laughs> go to a hospital, dude. Don't go having sex with people. <laughs> I'm protected to boot. It didn't look like they had condoms on. <laughs> no, no. And there's one. This poor, poor uh, Rena Otomo is in a, is in this awful '69 that's going on. Oh yeah, it's well, just well. so brutal to watch. I felt so bad. I could smell. I could smell it. It was just awful. You know what I think happened? The actor that she's doing the thing uh, thing with, he didn't remember the choreography of the scene, so he did the '69 wrongly. <laughs> so she has to stare, stare at his hairy ass. 
But then they cut to a separate <laughs> thing where they where it's implied that she performs a rim job on him. Oh my oh. god, it was disgusting. There's pimples on his ass. It was broke. <laughs> and she is one of the most gorgeous women in Category yes. 3. I did oh. feel bad for her. I mean, uh, I, I can't say anything bad about her because she, even if this is a shitty movie, she, my God, she was, uh, she, a she, she was a pro indeed. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! I I laughed so much because it's so pathetic, <laughs> and it's I I wish they were that clever. I suppose that they they were making a parody of bad category free filmmaker. I'm not sure, but it plays like that, and I, I'm t- I'll take it, you know. And yes, we see full frontal Charlie Chow. I wasn't sure he talked, to be honest. I looked at this, and I'm not saying anything. I did not see anything. I only saw pubes. That's it. Were those his pubes? Was it like a pubic wig? Or what, did he tuck it? Or what was... I had no idea what was going on. It might be a grower, not a shower. You know what I mean? Oh. <laughs> because I couldn't see it, man. And I'm sure it's working fine. But I I, I simply couldn't see it. Are you talking about the quick cut where he um, pulls down the pants or whatever and the camera, like, kind of zooms down his body or whatever? Yeah, around that first uh, session that they then take back. And, like, and when mm-hmm. he sw- she switched off to become the director... That that point where <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> Jesus uh, so, so I I I had a great time with this uh, sequence <laughs> and this uh, angle was wonderful like it's sort of original you don't see them it's not a go to plot for these movies like let's make a porno there's money in porno and apparently off screen there is money in porno because all of a sudden the guy uh, Lun or whatever comes in well we've made money selling a porno now. <laughs> <laughs> Not even a big sequence where they go to the studio and uh, people, uh, a montage of people picking up the $30 VHS, for the Hong Kong dollar, mind you, VHS off the shelves. And, uh, well, this, this, is where, this is where Kevin Smith got his plot for Zack and Miri. So. <laughs> <laughs> Way better movie, but uh, yes, it's a precursor, right? So, but, but then as it all, I mean, we don't care about spoiling this shit. I mean, when the guy gets black magic or like a blessing sort of ceremony gonna... performed performed on him. Spitting up blood and all kinds of fucking weird shit. It's, it's certainly not trying and it certainly doesn't have the chops to sort of make this energetic and fun, this out of the blue element. It's just sort of is pathetic what they're trying to do here. And then and, and the hallucination that he has, um, it's hardly whole fun style visuals going on here. It's just some pink pink uh, framing on the lens and that's like your dream sequence and it's just pathetic and uh, and how it resolves itself well it never does because no no conflict is ever really set up and they sort of just die at the end i mean the, <laughs> i i can't think of any moral of the story presently i just can't find anyone don't get involved in monkey affairs that's it there it is don't that's get involved in monkey is. affairs yeah. poignancy 101 you know? <laughs> yeah. jesus christ the real footage towards the end that when when this is like the last minute and a half of the movie all of a sudden new year's eve and silly string and crap like that and then they apparently are out in the street and they start intercutting it with real footage and i have to tell you guys it's stomach turning but the the flashes of the real footage that we get here because you have a lot of people the, the stampede isn't happening but you can see that people are just getting you know, flung to the right, flung to the left in that, uh, it, it, it's distressing to watch it really. It's, uh, and another confirmation that th- there was no need to frame it around this because you, you didn't re- even really do a good job of framing it around this. Like an honest to God, like shameless, but honest to God, good job. You, you, you didn't do that. And, uh, it's just a damn awful exploitation. And, uh, 
Uh, yeah, so so what do you think, Joshua? I mean, you, you've seen your fair of uh, graphic shit on film, you know, but, uh, you know, when reality enters, uh, what what does the mind, <laughs> what does the mind say to you? Know? <laughs> well, after like, some research, figuring out what's going on, it, it's just completely unnecessary. I mean, it's, it's terrible that these filmmakers did this, and uh, but it's also amazing that they did this because, you know, it's something like this. Yeah, no, it shouldn't be made. But it's amazing that it was made. And and at, at this time, anything could be released. You, and right. you, you know that as well as I do, King Hill, that any crappy sex movie, any crappy sex movie got a cinema release. There's no such thing as a crappy sex movie. Well, man. you know what I mean. No such <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> because there were so many of them. So yeah, anyone can be a filmmaker, it seems like. And uh, yeah. That's why we have have many one time filmmakers, you know, uh, yeah. in, including in this case. But it, it's 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 difficult to watch when you know what's going on, especially when you have stretchers and stuff running through the street. And you, know, I, I, I think you see glimpses of people lying either dead or unconscious in the streets. And yeah, yeah. And and, it, and the intercutting is terrible, by the way, because the newsreel footage is uh, like it's shot of a TV. It's very gray, grainy, <laughs> yeah. and obviously green as well. And they intercut it with the actors in very tight frame jump on top of each other to act like they're being trampled and it's so fucking pathetically made it's so bad and they have the balls to make a joke right at the end tasteless completely tasteless I mean it's stupid funny when you talk about it but one of the guys uh, the director if you will uh, who turned out to be the director you know he's found by EMTs or emergency uh, personnel and he says oh my god am am I gonna be impotent now that I've been trampled you're going to hell (laughs) <laughs> yeah and and then the priest comes to you know onto the screen again like you have to do good deeds if you want to survive well he's a dick right he's just a dick that priest is just a dick he just came by and said i told you so that's it uh, come right? by to see all these corpses so that i yeah. could you know kind see, of point I told out you how so. right i was i mean it, the joke is so fucking bizarre to make it that's that point that you just sort of shake your head and sort of shamelessly laugh at it but it's complete i mean they couldn't even frame it in a serious way for like a minute and a half they had to lighten the mood <laughs> oh what a dick dick move you know literally <laughs> if you're interested in the category free era this is a document to to have in your memory <laughs> back you know it, it definitely is there's some funny shit in here the porno sequence is hysterical as king who said and um reno tomo charlie joe you know bring it don't remember the other actors doing anything of note to be honest uh that's it. I mean, I accept it, but but I don't approve of of the reasoning behind it. But I, I like also that it's in my memory bank. Uh, it, it's um, it's not going to give me nightmares, but I'm not going to rewatch it really anytime soon anyway. So yeah, <laughs> end of my notes. Uh, let's go around the room. Joshua, anything else you want to say? You know, this is just for my own personal interest or whatever. Did they ever explain in the movie like the the girl uh, Lam, the the biggest breasted one? Not even looking at them as people or characters ah. <laughs> yeah the, the big the big breast one when uh chu came to her like at work and was i think after was she had sex yeah. with the boss and she jumps out the window <laughs> uh <laughs> did uh she just shows up again like two scenes later like nothing happened she's fine right yeah, she's... <laughs> <laughs> okay i was just making sure there wasn't like a hospital scene i missed or so, okay, all there, right. There is a hospital scene, but she's not bandaged up or anything. She's just in a hospital bed. And oh, Lord. No even, okay, like, uh, cuts and bruises and shit. Nope. Did I miss that? I may have. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I, do, I think I do remember that. But, like, I thought they were talking about 
her taking time. I don't know. And then like the next scene, she's just the back best. Into the, the best action. part of that scene is that she, um, uh, the 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 old man, the boss that she's fucking, yeah, for money. Uh, his for wife money. comes in there and yes. money. His wife comes in and scolds him like a kid almost, and he gets all like, oh, oh my god, wife is here. <laughs> I love his response. It's actually very funny. And he, she, I think she even like pinches his ear. Like a kid or something? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that was super funny. That guy, you know that guy. Well, I don't know if you know him. That guy always turns up in these movies and had one or two sex scenes. And I'm almost thinking, that must be a producer or a financier or something. <laughs> Hong Fong. Right. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, because uh, it's not the first time I've seen uh, no, seen no. him in these movies. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, King Who, anything else you want to wanna bark at? Um, Rina Otomo, I just wanted to mention that she was also in Playboy, and I also have that issue, and I also had uh, <laughs> put, uh, put it to some good use, and now it is uh, in a plastic <laughs> uh, case, so I just wanted to mention that, and uh, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> all the pages stuck together, but only Only there. one or two. Only one or two. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it, Lang Kwai Fong Swingers. Um, we gave it a fair, fair shot, and... Uh... There it is. <laughs> so as for availability, it was recently remastered in 4K and released in a deluxe edition by the Criterion Collection alongside Devil of Rape. No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> this one presumably had a universe uh, VHS, VCD and Laserdisc, but no DVD to the best of my knowledge. I mean, n- not in Cantonese anyway. I, th- th- there's always a chance that it was released in Taiwan on DVD, but I've, uh, I've, I've not looked and uh, never looked uh, for it, but... Uh, the interest surely was some still is uh, sparse for a home video release of this. But you can find it on xvideos.com if yeah. you're really looking for it. Oh <laughs> well, when you, search, when you search the name for the movie, it's like the first four links. It's like everything xvideos. You know, I had to check it out. <laughs> I have to for research check it out. I mean, don't do a couple other searches too. You know? I mean, dog, I'm 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 a thorough man. goddammit it! I'm, 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 I'm an educated man. I do my research. Like whatever you need to tell yourself. Yeah, yeah. So there it is. Uh, yes, as the year comes to a close, and I think uh, we got like nine shows in the bag this year, and uh, so um, we did well. And it's always a. Uh, Heartful, heartfelt thanks to anyone listening and supporting our silly little show where we aim to give this rating and uh, content of the rating and uh, through mainly this 90s era of uh, naughty Hong Kong cinema a fair spotlight. You know, we merge it with as much much context and info as we can and if you are a listener who supports us in silence, thank you very much. Uh, if you ever took the time out of your busy life to actually send us some feedback, thank you very much and uh, we hope to evolve and uh, give you a diverse uh, 2017 on this week in Slee. So, and um, all of which couldn't have been done without you, Joshua. You know, certainly not without you, King Hu, because you started this journey with me. And I appreciate you so much for taking the time out of your busy life as a family man, for heaven's sake. Quote unquote family man. Well, you. Well, I wanted to. <laughs> I wanted to give you a, a proper status and not just uh, Hong Kong Hong Kong playboy uh, connoisseur. <laughs> you know. <laughs> God bless my wife. Yeah. Uh, but, but thank you very much to, uh, for your re-emergence and uh, therefore you continue to share this fun and creative journey with with us. Uh, you know, eating bombs and analyzing Dominic Ho's sidewang. <laughs> 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 Do you remember that, Eat My Bomb? Do you remember that from what movie that was, uh, King Who? 
No, I don't. Gates of Hell, man. That you oh, the drive-by yes. sequence that happens in the movie. Eat my bomb. Yes. yes. <laughs> eat my bomb. Oh my god. What does eat my bomb mean? I don't know what it means. I don't know what I don't know what any of this stuff means. <laughs> oh my, yes, I have. It's like my it's my uh, screensaver thing. My on my phone. Gates of Hell VCD cover. So <laughs> it's all over his devices. You know, you can't get away yes. from Category Three. <laughs> no, it's everywhere. <laughs> but it, but it's all good and uh, you know Merry Christmas my friends and uh, I'm I'm gonna celebrate my qu- Christmas with uh, Plague Bob. Plague Bob. Oh, what yeah. fun you missed, King Who. <laughs> what is that? That is uh, a character we conjured up out of out of hysterical laughter. There's a movie called Men Behind the Sun Two, where a guy spills the plague all over himself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And he's such a clumsy motherfucker that we eventually called him Plague Bob, and we sort of conjured up uh, what a what a set of funny movies or a sitcom would be like with <laughs> with Plague, Plague Bob. Oh, Plague you've Bob. gone done it again, Plague Bob. They're like the Ernest movies. <laughs> Plague Bob saves Christmas. Ernest gets the plague. <laughs> So we, uh, out of uh, out of boredom, we uh, we sometimes conjure up these these characters. And Plague Bob, out of Men Behind the Sun, too, is a, is a wonderful character who's uh, never had time to eat my eat any bombs. Plague Bob, because he died from the plague. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, th- thank you guys and uh, for taking part in this. And uh, I think we did well, Joshua, considering your busy life as always. So you managed to squeeze in nine shows, my friend. So thank you for that. Uh, so any any other last words, serious or not? now that we're uh, we're we're sending this show out for uh, 2016 so king who anything you want to share with us regardless of what it is um i like sex and movies <laughs> i like <laughs> uh i like boobs i like butts i like bush and uh, happy holidays that's about it <laughs> that's about as heartfelt uh, as uh, you're gonna get on this show that's that's, that's beautiful i that's what i strive for i strive for i'm a family man now guys i'm a family man <laughs> <laughs> Gotta keep it simple, you know? So, uh, Joshua, anything else you want to say? What do you remember from this year? Uh, what's a movie that stands out? Is it is it Dominic Ho's Sidewang? I don't know. It's just always something different on the show. And uh, that's kind of what I enjoy about it. We always find, if it's not hardcore porn, it's uh, something like this, you know? Yeah. We've, uh, we've uh, done some diverse stuff. Like, again, Dominic Ho's Sidewang, the gigolo, that is. <laughs> and yes. 3D Sex and Sand, Forbidden Legend Sex and Chopsticks, Girl with Long oh. Hair... You put Sen, we honored, you know, the, the late uh, Ho Fan on the show who passed away earlier this year. Ace photographer turned sleazy, sleazy movies, uh, sleazy movie director. And uh, blessing for it, he left us with uh, with a legacy that's uh, that's actual. That's an actual legacy. You know, it's, it's yeah. of note. Uh, but yeah, f- thank you for taking part. And we, we we don't have much planned yet for 2017, but we, we are going to, we are going to. Look at at least one movie from Loletta Lee. You know, when Loletta Lee grew up, <laughs> she did uh, naughty, naughty movies, man. And uh, uh, we're probably going to go with Crazy Love for that one, rather than likes of Girls on Button and things like that. But uh, that's uh, that, that's uh, probably the next episode in line. But uh, let, let's just finish it off really, really quickly. We don't need to hear the contact information again. You're tired. You you want to get back to your eggnog and, uh, and uh, your Yulmus drinking. So let's <laughs> stop the fucking for 2016 and have a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year. And stay safe everybody especially during the Lan Kwai Fong New Year's celebrations in all honesty oh, take it easy <laughs> no monkey affairs please yes for all that's good and holy no monkey affairs you'll pay the price <laughs>
But that, so that's it. That means Lizzie Carey and with me was the great Lord Joshua Regal. So say goodbye, buddy. Later. And King Who for at least one episode. We'll get back to him in about five years again when we have something else, <laughs> something else of note to dangle in front of him. So, uh, maybe an elusive uh, edition of Playboy uh, that uh, he hasn't found, and that way we can get him into the studio again, so to say. Say bye, buddy, and there. Well, well done, by the way. You you have the podcasting uh, podcasting uh, gene and genius in you still. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me, and happy holidays. <laughs>